Hello and welcome to the latest podcast for The Lancet Infectious Diseases. I'm Richard Lane. In this podcast, we're going to be discussing the merits or not of TB screening for migrants. A few days ago, I spoke to one of the authors of this paper. It's published online on November the 7th, and that is Rob Aldridge. So come in, Rob, introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Rob Aldridge, Research Training Fellow at University College London. Dr. Rob Aldridge, many thanks indeed for talking to The Lancet Infectious Diseases. You're one of the authors behind a paper, and this concerns a very interesting health policy issue, I guess, uh, concerning migrant TB screening. And I can see just from looking at the paper that clearly science hasn't quite answered this question. Some countries seem to have screening policies, others don't. What question are we trying to answer in your research programme here? Thanks very much for inviting me to talk about our research Many countries do conduct uh, screening for active pulmonary TB in in migrants, and really there are three different ways of doing this. There's pre-entry, that is screening in the country of origin of migrants, upon entry, screening as the migrant comes into the country, and post-entry screening, that is arrival after the country. And pre-entry screening is increasingly being used by high-income countries, but of the three, it's probably the least well understood. So therefore, our systematic review and meta-analysis aim to summarize the evidence about how much TB pre-entry screening programs can detect in order to inform evidence-based policy in this area. So what are the pros and cons of migrant screening for TB? Of all the three systems that I, I just described, there are some pros and cons that are common to them all. In common to them all, the, one of the pros is that detecting cases of active pulmonary TB early does tend to lead to better clinical outcomes in those individuals. Talking about costs, they can really, they really vary depending on the, the program and how it's set up on an individual level. But a common con is that if done in a low-risk population, there's a potential for it to cause unnecessary anxiety in those individuals that may end up with a false positive result initially. Thinking specifically about pre-entry screening, it tends to have a high coverage as a result of it being a requirement for the visa application process in migrants to countries. But it can result in the delay in travel in those individuals that have an initial positive x-ray as they undergo further microbiological testing. So their visa application can be delayed. And treatment is commonly required in the home country and may place additional pressure on the local health service in that country. Thinking about upon entry screening, there's obviously no travel delay and no additional burden on the health facility in the country of origin. However, there tends to be poor follow-up of migrants if it's not done very systematically in the arrival country. And there can be issues around coverage as a result of border control capacity. And you obviously need to have a a screening program in every border entry point in that country, which can be extremely complicated. Finally, talking about post-entry screening, obviously this familiarizes a migrant with the healthcare system in the receiving country. But again, unless it's organized very systematically, it can result in low coverage. And there's also the risk that it may result in intervention-induced inequalities, i.e., those with the greatest need are the least likely to attend the screening, as we see in some similar screening programs elsewhere. Thanks. That's interesting. So given that there clearly is a lack of comprehensive evidence, I guess, what has prompted some countries to have policies that, that insist on pre-entry screening? Well, I think active cases of pulmonary TB are a public health issue and concern, and high-income countries want to take steps to protect the health of their population. Whilst TB remains a rare disease in these high-income countries, there's increasing epidemiological evidence that 
there's a high burden of migrants to these countries. And pre-entry screening was probably therefore chosen in many cases due to some of the well-documented issues that we just described in the post and upon entry screening programme. What were your main findings? What do these findings mean for some of these assumptions that have gone down the road of uh, the need for pre-entry screening? I think it's an important study in that it was the first one to be done on this topic. And we found that there was a lot of variability in the amount of TB that was found. But this variation was somewhat reduced when we took account of how much TB there was, i.e. the prevalence of TB in the country of origin. We also looked at whether the type of program or the type of migrant being screened reduced that variability and didn't really find any evidence for that. We found that when pre-entry screening was done in low prevalence countries, the, the pre-entry screening didn't detect a large number of cases, but when it was done in high prevalence countries, it did find quite a lot of cases. One of the other things that we found was that there was really a lack of any data on the cost of running such programs or the cost effectiveness of these pre-entry screening programs. So is further research needed or can policy be refined you know, based on, on this study? And if more research is needed, how should it be done? I think our study suggests that the number of cases detected will be low when it's conducted in low incidence countries and probably policymakers might want to reconsider the countries in which they're doing the pre-entry screening. Such as those countries, United States? Well, well, I think any country that's conducting pre-entry screening and, and is doing it in, 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 in low, low, low yeah, yeah it, it may want to reconsider it and do it. So we found, for example, that when WHO prevalence was in the country of origin, that is, was over 350 per 100,000, you, you really got a high yield, i.e. there were lots of cases detected around about 336 per 100,000 individuals screened, so comparative to the prevalence in that country of origin. So that, that may influence uh, policy, in, uh, but I think there's still further research needed, particularly on this issue of cost effectiveness, which remains unclear as to, as to the cost effectiveness of, of this approach. And I think there's probably also a need for research examining the cost effectiveness of investing in public health systems in these countries of origin, sometimes described as the enlightened interest approach, as this, this type of screening may also have wider societal benefits, as, in addition to potentially even being cost, effectiveness, cost effective, sorry, as there's been some research that showed in the, in the case of the United States that doing it in Mexico may result in a cost effectiveness approach. Because you do say that cost effectiveness factors are un unclear. Yeah. So, so you know, just, just a bit more information on that. What factors are at play here in determining cost effectiveness? Yeah, I, well, I think there, there are quite a few factors that can determine whether a program is cost effective. Firstly, the perspective taken for that cost-effectiveness analysis will have a big, big impact. So if it's considered from the, from the perspective of the health service in the receiving country, would be different to that uh, perspective taken from the migrant or wider society. Cost-effectiveness studies will also vary by the actual number, of, the results, sorry, of a cost-effectiveness analysis will vary by the number of migrants going to a country as well as how that program is organised, including things like the clinical infrastructure, governance and quality assurance. And then finally, the cost of treating cases of TB in the receiving country will obviously have an impact on that cost effectiveness analysis. So there's, they're quite complicated things and, and a lot of work needs to be done to, to understand them more. Following this logic through about cost effectiveness, could you give an example of, of a situation whereby migrants are coming from a country with high prevalence of TB, meeting a country, a different country, 
who will be equipped to deal with it and refer and manage the TB cases in a cost-effective manner? Yeah, so, so one example might be uh, migrants to the UK from South Africa, for example, which has a relatively high prevalence of TB. And, and a cost-effectiveness analysis would actually be even more complicated in this situation because we, we, the, the type of individuals migrating to the UK from this country may, um, may or may not be representative of that burden of disease in the country of origin. So that's actually an additional factor even that I didn't describe before in terms of understanding the cost effectiveness. So uh, if you took the, the WHO level of, of, of TB in that country, you may find it's, it's cost effective. But again, this additional factor about the actual migrants coming from that country would, would add yet more complication to, to that type of analysis. So, it's, so I think that's you know, possibly one of the reasons why these cost-effectiveness analyses haven't been done because they are hugely complex in this area and, and the data available until this point has been, you know, not been systematically collected in a way. So hopefully our research can even feed into those analyses. Indeed. No, it's interesting. But as you say, it's <laughs> as is often the case with these things, yeah. once you drill into the detail, you realise actually it is more complex than at yeah, first exactly. it might seem. Well, many thanks indeed, Rob. Could I just ask as a, as a final thought, sure. um, what would be an overall take-home message from your research? It sounds as though you've, you've really got stuck into to trying to clear our thinking here, but it, but it's but it is still a relatively murky area, isn't it? It is. There, there's still. I mean, we've looked at the published research, and I think there's. It would be nice to see the data analysed more regularly, and countries producing publishing the results of their pre-entry screening programmes, so that this could this this review could be updated with even more data.